All right, we are ready for the word this morning. Um, I'm having a sense that, uh, you know, some of the things, in fact, I know what's written down on the page. I know what's written down, but ultimately the Holy Spirit will bring out what is needed to bring a word into each and every one of our lives. I don't know that at the front end, but somewhere along the way, God will, uh, will use me, use my mouth uh, to bring forth his word today of something that is absolutely needed in the lives of people that are here today. Nobody will miss out. God's got a now word for everybody. Uh, some of the things that we're saying, there's a presupposition that we've heard uh, the previous messages part of the same series. And it's a bit like God's painting a big picture. And then we're setting out uh, the various portions on the picture. And then God comes back and by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God, it's like a paint painting on certain sections of the picture to bring greater clarity. And specifically, we are now speaking about the great transfer of wealth that is due to take place in these last days. And uh, we want to bring greater clarity here today. So as we have laid out the big picture, and if you haven't uh, heard any of the messages before, I encourage you to jump on the website, www.victory.net.nz, uh, um, and listen to all the previous messages previous messages and get the whole picture. There's too many Christians running around with only half the story and sometimes only a quarter of the story. And we're not going to get the job done with half the story or a quarter of the story. We need the whole picture. So allow the Spirit of God to just paint on the canvas of your heart using uh, the Word of God as a brush to just bring revelation, to bring insight, to bring understanding. What we are discussing here is a big thing. Everybody say a big thing, all right? This transfer of wealth is not a side thing. It's a big thing. God wants every one of us to participate. And nobody is too small. Nobody is too big. Uh, uh, nobody is too intelligent or not intelligent enough to participate in it. This is not an intelligence issue. This is a spirit of God on the inside of us issue. This is an obedience issue to just say, yes, God. Even if we don't understand all the ins and outs, we just say, yes, God, and instruct us and lead us in the way. So this is the third message in this series of uh, that we're teaching right now uh, entitled Keys to Participating in the Coming Transfer of Wealth. I begin again in Psalm 115 uh, verse 12, 13 and 14, which in many respects has become like a key scripture, foundational scripture uh, for what we are discussing at this point in time. It says, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us he will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both great and small. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. Uh, one translation says the Lord will give you increase more and more. In God, there is never a time when God says, all right, that's enough for you now. That's all you're going to get. There's always more and more. So we need to remove the limiter. Uh, we need to turn up the, the, the expectation because in God there's always more. Now that's of course not to say that uh, we need to consume more and more, uh, but God wants to put more and more into our hands so we can give more and more. Uh, imagine if we had uh, like immediately 10 times, as a local church, immediately 10 times more money uh, and, 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 and we could do 10 times more in terms of missions locally, nationally and internationally. We could employ more people uh, in order to, so that they can devote themselves full time 
to the work of the Lord in extending the kingdom of God and in setting up programs and leading the you know, outreaches and various other things. We, as I say, we could do immediately more and more. So don't ever say we don't really want to be rich. That sounds good to the religious mindset, but it's biblically wrong uh, because God wants to lead every one of us into greater levels of prosperity. And then the question is, what is rich? Some people consider themselves rich when they've got a hundred or a thousand dollars in their pocket. But you talk to somebody that's really rich, like, I mean, really rich, they'll just laugh at you. You know, sometimes it's all about perspective. It's wherever you're at. Uh, but the Bible tells us that God owns everything. Uh, all the silver, all the gold is mine. God says, cattle on the thousand hills belongs to me. Uh, and God wants to put wealth into our hands so that we can become carriers of, uh, of wealth of the wicked from the hands of uh, wicked people, sinful people, into the kingdom of God. And in the process, we will do very well ourselves. All of our needs are met. All of our bills are paid. We don't have to worry about where the next dollar is going to come from. We don't have to worry about where the next meal is going to come from. And if that's where you are right now, God bless you, friend. God is about to pour forth something great in your life if you lay a hold of the word and allow the Spirit of God to lead you out of poverty into prosperity. God's able to do that. Hallelujah. So uh, the, one of the key scriptures, and we haven't got time to reestablish all the foundational uh, you know, scriptures that we've already looked at. That's why I said, you know, there's just, uh, you know, a big picture has already been laid out. But in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, it says, The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. We have discussed uh, two of the five keys that we have touched on in previous uh, messages. Firstly, we said that we need to change our attitude towards money. And secondly, we said that we need to increase in God's favor on our lives. Uh, very quickly, we said that many Christians, and I'm just recapping before we cover new ground, but many Christians operate with a low measure of God's favor in their lives. However, the Bible tells us that in Christ, the fullness of God's favor has been made available to each and every one of us. And we need to lay a hold of that and we need to grow into that. Uh, in Luke chapter five, uh, 2, verse 52, uh, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. All right, and we said that, uh, that Jesus was um, born perfect, he had never sinned. Uh, yet he still had to grow in favor with God. That's an interesting concept. It's like, it's like I don't know about you, but that stretches me a little bit. It's like, what? Uh, I thought he already had the, the full deal in his life, but he still grew in favor and in grace with God. And if Jesus had to do that, we need to do that. If Jesus was able to do that, we can do that. Because he's Christ, and we are the Christians. He, he's the head of the body, and we are the body. All right, so we can grow in grace and in favor with God and with man. And we pointed out that uh, God's favor on the lives of the, of the Israelites became the catalyst in the transfer of wealth from the Egyptians into the hands of God's people. And God wants to repeat that in these last days on a much larger scale. So with that, uh, I want to swing into the third point. Uh, um, and they've already previously been established uh, uh, and the third point is maintain divine connections. Maintain divine connections. Everybody say, maintain divine connections. Um, let's just first of all establish what a divine connection is. Um, it's kind of a term that we've 
got to know and come to use that I believe does encapsulate something very powerful that we need to understand, that we need to flow in and operate in. Uh, a divine connections uh, or divine connections are God-arranged relationships with others whom God uses to help us reach our divine destiny. We never get to our divine destiny alone. All right, we cannot reach our divine destiny alone. Uh, just a bit later on, we'll see that uh, you know we, as the body of Christ, uh, God's people, saved people, uh, we are part of a body. It says there's many members, but there's only one body. Uh, a member cannot get the job done by himself. He needs the whole body to get the job done. How do you know that this hand here cannot function without the rest of the body? Um, and what would be the point in a foot walking around without a body? Uh, Paul extensively uh, this that in First Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13 and 14, he says, The eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of you, or vice versa. And so we are all, God uses the concept of a body, a physical body, and tells us that we're all members of a body in the same way as each part of my body, every finger, every joint, every Every part is a part of the body. And so we are all members of the body, and we cannot reach our divine destiny alone. Uh, there ought not to be any lone rangers in the body of Christ. There ought to be no loners in the body of Christ. It does In God's, in God's economy, in God's uh, concept, it does not exist. Um, so let me uh, bring a couple of scriptures here to kind of bear out what we are talking about. In Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So uh, a man who, this is generally speaking, a man who isolates himself from others, pulls back and pushes people away. The Bible says he rages against all wise judgment. Um, and furthermore, if a man, um, this of course... <laughs> works for a woman just the same. This is not specific to gender. This is speaking about all people. If somebody were to be a part of the body of Christ, when we are born again, we are part of the body worldwide and universally, but then we belong to a, a local church. If somebody were to separate himself and isolate himself, it says the Bible says that he rages against all wise judgment. It might make sense in his own mind, but it does not make sense in the purposes of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, 10 and 11, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Uh, for if they fall, meaning if one falls, one will lift up his companion. Right there, right there, there's a massive reason as, we, as, as to why we ought not to separate ourselves from others. We need to be together. Because if I were to stumble and fall down, somebody is alongside me, can help me back up again. Um, you know, we are told that the redwoods in uh, Northern California uh, are not uh, strong in the, in the way that they hold themselves up. Uh, uh, their, their roots aren't actually going down into the ground. Their roots go along and their roots are intertwined. Vanessa and I had an opportunity a number of years ago to travel up there and uh, to look through the place there. We went up to uh, a church, visit a church up there, and we had a few days to spare. I says, let's travel up a bit further. Let's go and see the, the famous redwoods. Uh, uh, and I'm talking, it's just massive, you know. Well, we got our own cowrie tree here, and it's a similar concept. Cowrie trees, I, I understand, don't put the roots down deep into the ground to help them to stand up. They're also a surface roots. That's why in some places up, up in Northland, uh, they've now built walkways uh, to 
big carry trees where the you know bus tours come because they've realized that people trampling over the roots actually ruining ruining the roots and then these big massive trees cannot survive anymore they've also found that if they take some redwoods out or some carry trees or or they, they fall down because their roots have been damaged and the others are weakened so my friend the body of christ needs you and you need the body of christ two are better than one um so it says, uh, if one falls down, uh, he will be able to lift up his companion. Woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, it says, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So it's just good common sense here in Ecclesiastes. Look at the rope. Uh, ropes are typically made up of strands. You get a single string, you can snap it just like that. But you put a string together with two, three, several, several others, and suddenly it becomes very strong. And we're all strong when we are together. Um, so that's why we are together. Come together. And of course the devil is one to, 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 to divide and conquer. The devil divides people. God brings people together. And these are some of the reasons uh, why that is the case. So, um, for next point there, letter A, it says God's word tells us to choose our connections with people carefully. We're talking about divine connections today. Um, in a general sense, uh, in, for, for, for all areas of our lives, but in a specific sense where, where the transfer of wealth is concerned. So, we'll just weave our way through that and see what the Lord wants to speak to us about. But, uh, we need to choose our connections with people very carefully. You see, it, it, the word encourages us to seek connections with the right types of people, and the word tells us to disconnect from the wrong types of people. Um, let's read some scriptures to kind of um, bring some understanding as to what we are talking about. Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, Keep company with the wise, and you will become wise. So immediately, the Bible encourages us to seek the company of wise people. Uh, it goes on to say, if you make friends with stupid people, you will be ruined. All right? And so, uh, so immediately, this is the word of God. This is not just sort of uh, suggestions. This is like God commands us, say, hang out with wise people and become wise yourself. Or for that matter, you want to hang out. In fact, it says in the Good News Bible, it talks about stupid people. Most other translations use the word fools. Uh, hang out with wise people, become wise. Hang out with fools, become a fool. Um, and then it says, and you will be ruined. Uh, now, we don't want to be ruined in any way whatsoever. We don't want to be ruined. Uh, we want to become wise people. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 19, it says, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters his lips, uh, flatters with his lips. Uh, all right, so so what's a talebearer? That's a gossip. That somebody is always talking about other people um, when they're not around to kind of reveal secrets about other people, uh, some of which might be true and factual, others are exaggerated and others are completely made up. How do you know that you cannot believe a gossip? Some people just specialize in that. They just gossip, gossip, gossip all the time. The Bible says, do not hang out with people like that. You see, the gossip is over here. Let me tell you, I'm about this guy over there. And then he comes over there. And when he addresses that guy, hi, how are you doing? You're looking great today. <laughs> well, what's that? Over here, he gossips. And now he flatters. 
Bible says, don't hang out with people like that. And most certainly, don't be one of those people. So very clearly, the Bible instructs us to hang out with certain types of people and not hang out with other types of people. So, now, that's not to say that we can't, you know, like reach out to all people in order to bring them into salvation, to bring them into a living relationship with Jesus Christ and to teach them some of these things so that hopefully their, their mind can be renewed, they can repent of, of the sin called gossip. How do you know that gossip is actually a sin? It's not just a bad habit. It's a sin. And the Bible says that God hates uh, six things. Uh, God says that there are seven things that are an abomination to him. And one of those is uh, somebody that goes around and brings disunity in the ranks because they're always mouthing off, they're always gossiping, always talking about other people, and, and so forth. So it says, don't, do not associate with people like that. This is just a, a, a snapshot of a, of a number of scriptures. We could just go on and on for the rest of the morning. I mean, there's like oodles, oodles of scripture references that speak about whom to hang out with and whom not to hang out with. Some of us will kind of hang out with everybody. Well, you can. But, but there's going to be consequences. <laughs> All right, hang out with wise people, become wise. Hang out with fools, uh, become a fool, and be ruined in the process. So choose you this day, uh, the word says. Proverbs 24, verse 21, it says, My son, fear the Lord as well as the king, and don't associate with rebels, for destruction from them will come suddenly. Who knows what distress these two can bring? Now, what does all of that mean? Well, once again, it tells us to not associate with people who rebel against authority. There's two levels of authority discussed here. That's God's authority. Uh, and, of course, God has written, uh, you know, has sent us his word so that we know what God wants done and what he doesn't want done. And then it speaks about the king. Uh, it speaks about, in a, in a roundabout way, about the laws of the land. We haven't got a king. Uh, um, I guess we have a queen. Uh, ceremonial head of New Zealand is the queen of England. Um, and she's a good lady, by the way. She's born again, and praise God for that. Uh, but we have a government here that established laws, and we must not rebel against the laws of the land. We must not rebel against God's laws. Anybody that consistently does so and flouts those laws and kind of consistently rebels against that, God says, don't hang out with these people. They're going to get you into trouble. All right. So uh, it says, destruction from them will come suddenly. So th their destruction is going to jump on you as well. That's what Bible, the Bible is saying. Who knows what distress these two can bring? Uh, some people have got distress in their lives. They've got destruction in their lives because they hang out with the wrong people consistently. All right? Who knows what these two can bring? To what? Rebelling against God and rebelling against the laws of the land. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. You know, the law of the land says that we must travel a certain, uh, a certain um, speed on the road. And blow me down, I got myself an $80 souvenir the other day going up to Taupo. And, uh, <laughs> and the good thing is that guys registered in Vanessa's name and then something arrives in the mail and says, what have you done? <laughs> That's actually me. All right, so when I talk about just obeying the law and not rebelling, I'm speaking to myself. All right, praise God. Uh, so don't feel sorry for me. I got what I, what, what I, what I deserve, all right? Praise God. Of course, I got an explanation. I got an excuse, but I won't bore you with that. <laughs> uh, so Proverbs, uh, let me start again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. 
It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Do not be deceived. Don't think that you can hang out with the people that the Bible tells us not to hang out with long term because it will corrupt good morals. Um, and here it is in Proverbs 26, verse 4. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him, even you. Somebody might say, it'll never happen to me. The word says, even you. All right, even you. Uh, none of us are exempt from that. Uh, hang out with a fool and answer him according to his folly, and we become just like him. All right. And, uh, and then finally, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24, it says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Now, I believe uh, that most of us could get stroppy from time to time over one thing or other, but if somebody is consistently angry, angry and lives their life out of anger all the time, and uh, what does it say here? It says, uh, with an angry man, somebody that's furious all the time, it says, don't go with them because you'll learn their ways. It'll get on you as well. It'll jump on you. And then something you can't figure out where all of that stuff's coming from. It's, it, I see a lot of that comes by association. We learn things by what we hear. Uh, we learn things by what we see. And then in terms of, you know, there is, a, there is such a thing what we call uh, in Christian circles impartation, where something is imparted into us. Like right now, as uh, the preaching of the word takes place, the Bible says that there's an impartation of life, an impartation of spirit taking place. But when somebody lays hands on us uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment where people are being prayed for, there's an impartation. There's not a learning, there's an impartation. Some things are, are caught and other things are taught. And when we hang out with people, there's an impartation. We, uh, in fact, Ed Cole, uh, uh, who is the father of, uh, of the modern they means ministry movement, he says we hang out with people, he says we imbibe their spirit into us. And then suddenly it's like we become like them. So let's choose our associations carefully. We're talking about divine connections. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we need to disconnect from certain type of people and maybe reconnect with others who are fully connect with people that perhaps uh, we might not have considered before. So the word is hang out with, with godly people. Uh, the word is hang out with people that you know are obedient to God, obedient to the laws of the land, that, that are wise people, and become like them. I want to discuss some levels of um, divine connections. Um, and under, uh, under letter B, it says that God leads us into multiple connections with others. Uh, everybody say multiple. Multiple. There's not just one connection that's going to make it all happen. There's multiple connections. There's different levels. Um, and again, we haven't got time to drill down into all the aspects of it, but our first connection, and this is by far the most important, our first connection is with Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Uh, you can make no more important decision in life than to surrender your life to God and receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. That is by far the most important. Sometimes I speak to young people and say, look, you know, choosing uh, you know, your partner in life is important, but it is more important uh, to Choose Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior because choosing a partner in life will last until this life ends. But choosing Jesus Christ will keep us in good stead throughout eternity. We cannot make heaven without Jesus Christ. We cannot fulfill our divine destiny without Jesus Christ 
uh, and a connection with him. Of course, I'm stating the obvious, but it's always good to state the obvious. We must never assume that everybody knows everything uh, all the time. Here in John chapter 1, verse 11, it speaks of Jesus. It says that he came to his own, and those who were his own, his own did not receive him. You see, Jesus Christ, we don't refer to that much, but Jesus Christ, in his nationality, in his, in his ethnicity, naturally speaking, he is a Jew. And he came to the Jewish people, and they did not receive him. And then he goes on to say, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And the question is, do you believe in his name? Have you received him as Lord of your life? All right, because Jesus came to the Jewish people, by and large, they rejected him. Uh, and when the gospel began to be preached, there was, I mean, initially some multiple salvations and so forth. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, it was not until Peter and then Paul, the apostle, went out to preach to non-Jewish people that the gospel began to be spread around the world. And what the Bible calls Gentile people, which is, includes ourselves, unless you're from Jewish, a Jewish background, uh, that's like, uh, you know, non-Jewish people began to hear the gospel and get saved and to establish a living connection with God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. All right? Uh, there's only one God and one Savior, one mediator between God, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. And so when we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we are connected to the head of the church. Colossians 1.18 says that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So the question is, who is the most important person here this morning? His name is Jesus Christ. All right. We're all important here and we're all good to hang out with each other. But, you know, there is a time after we've greeted each other uh, that, you know, we worship God, that Jesus is the preeminence uh, in all things. He's the head of the church that makes him the boss. We call him, the Bible calls him Lord. Uh, to use a modern day word, he's the boss. Uh, all right. Uh, and uh, and we, that's why we worship him. He's the firstborn from the dead. And if there's a firstborn, there's a secondborn and a thirdborn and a millionthborn and a trillionthborn. Uh, if there were that many people. And uh, so, you see, he rose from the dead first. And because he rose from the dead, we can rise from the dead and through having a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what? Uh, um, this is not about so much belonging to a church as it is to belong to God through Jesus Christ. Let me uh, refer to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, because in this passage here, Jesus is cautioning us to make sure that our relationship with him is real and genuine. Everybody say real and genuine. Now, I know that they are the same words, uh, referring to the same thing, real and genuine. Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I don't know about you, but immediately he's got my attention. It's like, what? What was that? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. All right, so it's not what we say that counts as much as what we say and do that counts. Um, 
Many will say to me in that day, he's now, he's now speaking about judgment day, he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have me not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, in other words, we need to talk the talk, and we need to walk the walk. All right, that's what Jesus is really talking about here. Uh, to just say and to not do is not sufficient. Uh, to kind of only say and not do demonstrates that we haven't really got a living connection with God through Jesus Christ. And it's not about, you know, sadly, there's multiplied millions of people that go to church on Sunday around the world who do not have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, mostly because they've not been told how to have one. They've not been instructed what's, what it looks like and have not been encouraged in that direction. Um, E.W. Vine, who is a Bible translator, a uh, an expert in biblical languages uh, of both Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and he, he translates that particular phrase here in verse 23 this way. Uh, when Jesus says, uh, he says, uh, I never knew you, uh, E.W. Vine says, he says, what Jesus was really saying was, I have never been in an approving connection with you. <laughs> That's a bit scary to me, that immediately, like, you know, like our good friend Cole Stringer would say, it's like, let's have a checkup from the neck up. It's like, let's just, what, it's, what are we on about? Are we, do we have a living connection with Jesus Christ, or is it just simply, are we just running with the crowd? Um, I was just saying all the right words. So the first connection, to restate the point, that we need to have in order for this whole thing to come about is uh, to have a living connection with Jesus Christ. Uh, he's the only Savior there is. He's the only head of the body. There is no other. Then secondly, our connection with believers in our local church. You can't awfully quiet on me here today. Did I upset somebody? I'm just telling you what the word says, all right? <laughs> In the connections with believers in the local church, in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says, In the same way, even though we are many people, we are one body in Christ and individual parts connected to each other. All right, we referred to that before, that uh, the Bible does not call us the organization of Christ. It doesn't call us the Christ club. You know, in a club, you might have a president and some members. It doesn't call us a club. It doesn't call us an organization. It calls us a body. And uh, I'm telling you, um, in my body, uh, and it's the same with yours, in my body, everything is connected to everything else. There's not any loose parts floating around over here. Praise God for that. And it's like I'm here in my lungs floating around over there somewhere. You know, it's like everything is connected together. And every member in the body must be connected up to every other member. In a sense, uh, the tip of my finger is connected to the tip of the toe, though there's some distance between the two. Uh, but everything is connected. And that's the picture that uh, Paul is giving us here. He says, uh, though there are many people, he says, we are one body in Christ and individual parts connected 
to each other. It does not really matter the name that's written out on the front of the building uh, of this church, the next church down the road, up the road. It does not really matter. I mean, names, as far as those sorts of things are concerned, don't matter. And we ought not to get ourselves confused with different denominations. Ultimately, there's only one family of God. And that's the Christian family that's made up of congregations uh, around the world, all people who have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, so uh, our connection with others in the body of Christ is demonstrated through us fellowshipping together and serving God alongside each other. There's something powerful that happens when, when people join a team that serves God around a common goal, around a common vision, to most certainly join a local church where there is a vision to go forward, to reach people in their community and to make a difference. You see, um, Sunday services uh, is not the full story. When we connect into small groups during the week, it is in a sense us demonstrating uh, that we are connected with others in meaningful relationships. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, uh, this one is out of the Living Bible, Living uh, Bible translation says, in response to all that he has done for us, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and in doing good. One translation says doing good works. Uh, uh, it speaks about serving God. How do we serve God? By serving people. If we're not serving people, we're not serving God. Uh, it goes on to say in verse 25, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but let us encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. And of course, there's multiple things going on here. Uh, it speaks about that we're all one in Christ, that there's only one body. We all need to be connected up, especially uh, as we see his return drawing near. Uh, the Bible says, as we see the day approaching, that's day with capital D. You know, they talk about D-Day in Second World War, and that was the day of the invasion, uh, and it's reference to that particular event. The day capital uh, in most translations of the Bible is reference to a specific day when Jesus Christ will return to this earth. And by the way, he's coming again, whether you believe it or not. All right? Uh, and he's already announced himself, and whether we get on board with it or not, he's coming anyway. All right, but I know that you're on board and praise God for that. So uh, Jesus is coming uh, to this earth twice. The first time he came as a baby, he came as the Savior. He will come again as the reigning Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The first time he came to save, the second time he will come to judge and to set up the thousand-year reign uh, that uh, the Bible speaks about in the book of Revelation. Again, we haven't got time to get into the details of it, but if you're born again, you're serving God, and you're fully connected up, you'll be a part of that thousand-year reign. All right? People say it's an interesting thing, but we've got certain notions and concepts as we're going to heaven forever and forever and forever. Actually, that's not the truth. We are going to heaven, but we're only going to be in heaven for a period until such time that Jesus returns, and the Bible says he will come with all his saints. So at the second coming, we're all going to be with him. The Bible says he's riding on a white horse. And uh, it also speaks of us being on horses. So some of you might like to take riding lessons. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. So our connections with believers in the local church. 
if we had more space and more time, I'd speak in here about a necessary connection with a pastor, with a local pastor somewhere. It's all part of that whole church thing. In the church there, God sets pastors, ministers in the local church, and we need a connection uh, with a pastor in a local scene. Sometimes people say, oh, my, my pastor is, you know, TV evangelist so-and-so. And Well, you try to ring him sometime and get some counsel from him and see how you get on. <laughs> all right. So we need to have a local church, a local pastor where we be you know, belong to and where we are at home and uh, being in a house where, you know, people can watch over us, watch over our soul uh, and make sure that everything is good. Then our third connection, this feeds back into the whole area of wealth transfer. I know we're speaking about divine connections in a general sense, but now I want to speak a bit more about specific things. Um, our connection with insignificant people to meet significant people. Now, let me tell you that there are no insignificant people. So I know that's the way it's written because there's only enough space for one line. And if I put in another word there, you know, we're going to run out and become fitted on the, on, the, on the page. All right. But let me tell you that God uses seemingly insignificant people. Everybody say seemingly. See, some people may seem insignificant, but in God's economy, everybody's insignificant. All right. We might say, oh, well, that relationship is not that important, but every relationship is important. All right? So God uses seemingly insignificant people to help us to meet significant people. And the way we treat seemingly insignificant people determines whether we will ever meet significant people. So what does that mean? Well, it means this, that each time you meet somebody, just... Remember, the people are made in the image and in the likeness of God. And we need to recognize everybody's value. Everybody is valuable. There's sometimes people say, oh, I've got no time for you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on my way somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I'm only meeting with important people. <laughs> Somebody wise said once, be nice to the people you meet on the way up. Because you're liable to meet them again on the way down. And I thought, wow, that is real wisdom. I haven't got chapter and verse for that specifically. It is somebody's quote. Uh, there's a bit of uncertainty in regards to who actually coined that saying, but I thought, wow, this is like real wisdom. Sometimes people would like to trample over the top of people just to get somewhere. They'd sell their own grandmother uh, in order just to make more money and meet people that they want to meet and don't care about whom they're trampling on top as they go through somewhere. But listen, everybody is important. All right. And sometimes God hooks us up with people where they think, oh, well, this is nice. You know, they're nice people. And, and you know, they might be the, the movers and the shakers of this world. But God may use that seemingly insignificant connection to establish a big connection with somebody that's really significant for you and for your destiny. And last week we spoke about Joseph, um, one of Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, we talked about his whole scenario where as a young man he had a vision, uh, he had a dream that uh, his brothers were going to bow down to him, that his mother and father were going to bow down to him and so forth, and his brothers hated him. Uh, he was the favorite of his father. whole story there, how he was treated uh, in a favorable way, which is never a good thing to do for parents, to, to favor certain kids above other kids. It always spells trouble, and it always will turn into a family feud somewhere. And so anyway, uh, Joseph was sold off by his brothers into Egypt. Uh, in Egypt, he was sold on the slave market. 
uh, to uh, a, an Egyptian official by the name of Potiphar. We spoke about all that last week. And uh, Joseph uh, was a fine young man. He was a good man. He had a gift of leadership and administration on his life. And he really had the, the grace and the favor of God in his life. He ended up serving Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar's wife tried to have commit adultery with him, and he would not. Uh, but she accused him of it anyway. He ends up in prison. While in prison, uh, the prison keeper recognized that there's something on Joseph and he put all the prisoners, uh, Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. And uh, after some time into this whole thing, there were two individuals that had served on the king's, uh, uh, in the king's palace and the king's court that were imprisoned also. One of them was the chief baker, the other one was the chief butler. Uh, and we spoke about that last week, how these two guys were in prison because they'd annoyed the king, and the king says, away with them, put them in prison, in like arbitrary um, uh, lawmaking, if you like. And um, while they were in prison, both of them had a dream. Um, and when Joseph came in, uh, in his capacity as overseer, he was really in charge of the prison uh, in many respects, he saw that both of them were sad and around thinking, oh, they're just two insignificant people. And walk on to the next cell and check everybody else out. He says, why are you guys sad today? See, Joseph cared. When we care and when we show concern for people, that opens the door for us to fulfill our destiny. We can't always see the, all the connections. We might not always connect the dots, but we, need to, we ought to be friendly and kind to all people. I cannot believe some of the rudeness that we see around the place. You know, it's like going into a restaurant and starting to abuse the waiter or the waitress because you, people are having a bad day. I mean, how rude is that? That waitress is important, particularly if we're Christians. And I tell you, I've seen Christians being nasty to waiting staff, and this is just one example. It's just, it's not right. It's not right. We need to be kind to all people, not snarl at them and snap at them because we're having a bad day. Get it together. If you're having a bad day, get it together. Don't snap at other people. We're doing all right this morning. We're speaking about divine connections, we are. Let's get it together. All right. So Joseph cared. He says, why are you guys sad today? And uh, so he cared. He said, I, I-, I care for you guys. So oh, we both hit a dream and there's no interpreter. He says, he says look, he says, inter- interpretation belongs to God. Uh, he says, tell me the dream, please. You know, the pleases and thank yous of life will open doors that can't be opened up any other way. If you don't know how to say please and thank you, certain doors will never open for you. To show appreciation to people that are helping you and to show appreciation for those that have helped you. We're talking about maintaining divine connections. People are sometimes ever so quick to just walk in and out of relationships and that's the very thing that God does not want us to do. You see, the principle is make and maintain relationships. Connections, all right? Not walk out and walk away. In Genesis chapter 40, verse 5, then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. You see, Joseph wasn't so self-absorbed that he only thought about his own problems because he had a few. How many of you know that? We've all got issues that we're working through. We've all got challenges. But when you meet people, just 
let's deal with our own issues in, in a way that we're not, we're not dumping on other people all the time. That's not to say we can't ask for help. It's not to say we can't ask for prayer. That's not to say, look, I'm, I need some help. I'm struggling with some issues. That's a good thing. But people just, no matter how much, you know, people are just always dumping on others. He says, uh, um, and Joseph came and looked at them and saw that they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each had a dream, and there's no interpret interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to the Lord. Tell them to me, please. Everybody say, please. How many of you know that it's a good thing to smile in life? <laughs> How many know that it's better to smile than to show our teeth, our fangs all the time? Like, <laughs> laughing last night with our dog. Boy, with that fireworks that's going on, some dogs get scared, but my, my dog does not get scared. He's a bold dog. And boy, he <laughs> charged outside and he gets so indignant. He's showing his fangs and his teeth. He won't hurt anybody because he's not that kind of a dog, but he knows how to show his teeth, I tell you. Some people are like dogs, like you. <laughs> showing their... <laughs> you get close to them, and you know, like... <laughs> Let's not do that. You'll never reach your destiny if you can't get a handle on yourself in terms of your anger, in terms of your, your issues, uh, that uh, just, you know, like, just let's just deal with things. Let's just deal with things. Sometimes a simple thing of getting down on our knees and say, God, I need help. I'm, I'm having issues here. There's times when I spend time on my knees in my early Christianity, I was having issues, major issues. And issues don't leave us by themselves. So we get on our knees and we repent before God and we say, God, please help me. I can't carry on like this. Simple things. It's not complicated. Joseph's connection with uh, the chief butler, which was seemingly insignificant, is like he was just another prisoner. That Joseph was in charge of him. And the fact that Joseph himself was a prisoner is now irrelevant. And he was in charge of the place. In fact, the Bible says that the prison keeper, who was the actual guy that was employed and paid to do the job, Joseph wasn't paid, but this guy was paid. The Bible says he didn't even look into any business in regards to the prisoners. He left all of that to Joseph. You know, that one guy was just another prisoner. But no, Joseph didn't walk past. There's somebody that needs a word of encouragement. Let's learn to speak words of encouragement rather than words of discouragement. Let's just, let's just look out for people. We can make a massive impact on people by just learning to smile and to be kind to people and just ask questions. It's not, oh man, I'm having a terror. It's a, how are you doing today? Simple things. I told this story before. I uh, rang a call center many years ago now. Um, got this lady that was helping me. I don't know if did I buy a ticket to go somewhere. I forget now. 
and I got speaking to this lady and it was just like an experience that I'm still remembering today because the lady was so pleasant, nothing was a problem. She didn't get stroppy when things got a bit complicated. You know, how you know, some, some of us have had our phone put down on us and, and who knows, we might have put the phone down on somebody as well. <laughs> okay, but it's like nothing was a problem and she just smiled her way through that. I didn't see her because I was on the phone, but I could hear her smile. All right. And, and it made such an impact on me that I kind of, uh, I don't know, I got chatting with her. It turns out that she's a pastor's daughter up from up country there. Uh, in fact, I knew of the pastor. And uh, this lady was just like, what an experience. It's like, wow, this is like, if the whole life was like that, but there's just everybody's sweet and everybody's kind and everybody has learned to deal with their issues rather than dumping them away, the world would be like, it's it like would be heaven on earth. If I were to ask, like, what's, what's your biggest like, challenge right now uh, in terms of what's going on in your life, something that you're concerned about, possibly even worried, some trying to work through, if I were to ask, well, many of you would, would say relationships, it's connections. But, you know, the Bible says that if, 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 if you want a friend, you've you, you got to show yourself friendly. All right. So this connection, which was seemingly insignificant, but Joseph cared. He wasn't asking for anything from them. He said, oh, you need to pay me, otherwise I'm not going to interpret your dream. It just, so this interpretation belongs to, to God, and then he walked away. He did say, look, he says, when you come to, the, you know, to Pharaoh's palace, uh, as, as I've interpreted in the dream, you'll just remember me. The guy forgot about him for two years, but nevertheless, rather than Joseph harboring unforgiveness towards this guy and adding them to the group of people that he was never going gonna, to gonna, gonna spend any time with. It's like just, you know, it says interpretation belongs to God and the Bible says promotion belongs to God. If there are people that try to keep you down, you can't be kept down if you've got the right attitude. You, you can't be kept down. Somehow you're going to burst through and you're going to come up and you'll go where God wants you to go because you learn how to m make connections and how to maintain connections. So this little guy ended up being the, the catalyst to introduce Joseph to the uh, pharaoh of Egypt, who was uh, just another word for the king of Egypt. And within an instant, Joseph is in charge of all the wealth of Egypt, like within an instant. It's like coming out, interpret the dream. It might have taken all of five minutes. And, and, and Pharaoh says, Joseph, you're in charge. Talk about a story from rags to riches. Talk about a story from, uh, from the dungeon to the palace. And, and, and he's going somewhere. Um, and he travels throughout Egypt, and we spoke about that last week and everything. But you see, had he not cared about these two little guys that were struggling on that day, he would not have been able to meet Pharaoh, and sometimes, have you know that the will of God doesn't always come to pass? God leads us and guides us, and we need to learn to connect with God and with people, keep our connections with God intact, and make sure that it's genuine and real, and keep our connections with people vert vertically rather than walk in and out of relationships all the time, as sometimes people do. Praise God. Um, now that you're all shouting amen and hallelujah and that you're all excited about the word that I'm preaching today, let me tell you as a closing statement. 
to bring about the transfer of wealth. God is bringing about connections with people which will be huge and very significant. Huge and significant. Remember, everybody's important. Everybody deserves us to, to, you know, like give them the time of the day if we can use that saying, uh, because that might just be a step to where you're going and not talking about trampling over people, but one connection opens up another connection, which opens up another connection, and we keep connections intact and keep them going. 